0: Nikki, welcome to the Business Growth Mindset Podcast. We are featuring top achievers in this series, and you are one of them. As you know, I'm a big fan, so welcome. Thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me. Uh, top achiever,
1: I don't know that I've got that on my CV yet, but uh, oh, very
0: complimentary. I think you're very humble, and uh, I certainly think that once we we rattle off your CV, it'll become very apparent <laughs> of the kind of top achiever you are. Um, you're the owner of the famed Star of Greece at Port Wollonga. Uh, I'm happy to say that I was there again, only about... Uh, seven or eight weeks ago the portaloos were still there the renovation yes. is how are we going with the renos
1: um look what is ever on time <laughs> and on budget um, <laughs> look we're pretty good um, and yeah. i mean we've done all the budgeting uh, around probably just over 12 months ago so we are a little bit over we'll probably rein it in around about 15 percent over which is not too bad when you consider you know trades and anything mm. building um, and we're on track to open at the end of November, so we're pretty happy with yeah. what we've been able to do. The steak tartare
0: was awesome, oh, and the brioche. Right. Yeah. Oh, delicious. Honestly, Lucy and I looked at each other, I and mean, we we're, were there for Cassie Young-Barnes' birthday. Ah, right. So okay. I say yeah. six weeks, but yeah, we a yeah. been about that, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I remember someone said to me, I think you said to me actually, walking through the, the chamber, like, oh, we've still got these portaloos, and I was expecting them to be really bad, but they weren't. They were actually all quite nice and hidden away, and... And it was great, we had a really enjoyable lunch and the staff were excellent. Um, You're a mum, you're a wife. Um, You're the chair of Business SA. You're also on the uh, Chamber of Commerce Australia board, uh, the Adelaide Economic Agency and Tourism, Retail, Hospitality Services, Industry Skills Council's chair. You have an impressive uh, pedigree in destination marketing, both here in Adelaide and in Melbourne. Um, You've also developed a series of your own startups. you also had Seymour Solutions, which was yep. a play on your actual maiden name, right? So um, I thought that was very clever. It's interesting, I never knew that until I was doing some research, like I knew the business, yeah, but I never thought of the name played on that until I was like, hang on a minute, now I get <laughs> this, right? Um, you've had a lot of work in membership organisations. I mean, your days at Advantage SA, which then became Brand SA, mm. um, and not-for-profit sector, but you also have held many, many chair roles and you also went back to uni on top of all that and when and did your law degree mm. so I remember when you were graduating you actually spoke at an alumni ICH yes. event Adelaide over when that was like you're like yes that's it I've just finished and I think that was just before the crazy thing called COVID came to our shores before we dive into this podcast how do you do it all
1: I'm highly organized Um, and I think I I sort of have to be really. Um, Maggie's just started school, that's my Mm -hmm. nearly 10 year old, Um, started school in Adelaide and so I'm in Adelaide most days so it's a little bit of travel coming from Port Wollonga but I definitely try and plan my day as best as I possibly can because then you know that you're going to Hit a brick wall or open a can of worms. That's something I've realised, being from you know doing events 30 years ago, is that there's always going to be something that will be thrown at you. So, what sort of state of mind are you into um, uh, to be able to cope with that? I think that's the best thing. This year, I've I've actually done a lot of travel, but just sort of little short holidays okay. and taking a break. I mean, you you can never take a break totally, um, but I do think it really helps and get into a book and try and sort of have a bit of time off, but I do like to juggle.
0: Oh, you do, right? Look, one of the one of the things that we we, it's been amazing meeting so many people on the podcast so far and you sit back and and you look at everyone and you think, you know, when when you are someone who gets a lot of things done, you think you're kind of solo.
1: Um
0: I, I know one of your CEOs, Martin Hazy, and also a friend of ours and you know Martin, I see him a lot in the corridors and you know, we always look at each other and go, how do we fit it all in? Yeah. And and then while i've interviewed all of these amazing people it's like hang on a minute <laughs> everyone's the same we're in the same boat mm. it's just finding ways to juggle it yeah but i think there's something deep in that and hopefully that's what we're going to uncover today in the podcast so before we dive into the co- podcast do you want to share anything about you in particular that you know maybe just give the audience um a little bit more sense of who you are and mm. what you stand for because i think you know you you certainly stand for a lot of things um, I mean, there isn't many women who have carved an impressive career on professional boards. I think that's probably the one thing that I've always, always admired about you. You really got into that really early in your yeah. career and and you've evolved and developed. And as a chair, um, I think that you've really taken those skills on board. Um, but in terms of sharing with our audience, so they get to know a little bit more about who Nicky is, mm. I'm just going to give you the mic. Sure. Um, I was certainly not
1: the girl at school that was going to be, you know, becoming a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, In fact, I was probably much more known for being the very, very naughty person at school, which may not surprise you, Christian. Of course, I would think all of your listeners would go, that is so surprising. I can't believe she was so naughty. Mm. Uh, I was lucky not to have been expelled, probably. And I certainly wasn't scholistically, you know, um, super either. Um, But I think that from a really young age... Uh, I worked out where do I want to be in two years' time, who do I need to know and what do I need to know to get there, and that's something that I've been doing probably over the last 30 years. Um, I, you know, studied tourism at TAFE and and worked in, in London and here in travel, and that was, you know, fantastic. And I think, you know, I remember going for my interview at TAFE to study tourism. And I said, why do we think, you should let me know, I'm a people person, you know, I'm great with people. Um, and funnily enough, I actually think now that's probably what I, what is my strength, is that I am a people person. And so much about what I have to do now, whether it's in boards or in the restaurant, is actually pull people together. Yeah. Pull people together, get the right group of people. Um, People, the right skills. I'm huge on um, diversity and not just gender. I think you can do really well, and where whether it's a workplace or in a board, to bring together people of different genders, different age groups, different ethnicities, you can then create that environment where you can um, encourage success, encourage teamwork, um, and then as a great old boss of mine, she's now a senator, Ann Ruston, mm-hmm. and she said to me, somebody said to her, you know, congratulations on this great event. She said, don't thank me, thank the people I've employed. I'll take credit for hiring them, but they've done this event, and it's really something I think that stood with me in a long time as well. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, worked in travel, um, I then uh, started my own business, and and that was great and i think i learned everybody that says i will definitely give you work is not the people that give you
0: work um, but that's actually a I really think... good lesson there for anyone who's seeing that you know if you if, if some of our younger audience that are looking at starting a business is do not rely on who you think is going to give you work because yeah. often is not the case in fact it's rarely the case As i'm glad you said that actually because that's something that i think people tend to forget they go in with all these aspirations and Think, oh, yeah, I know all these people and they're going to support me. And you quickly realise that's not how it works.
1: No, and I mean, I am particularly, um, when I talk about being highly organised, I can't stand not having an email that's been addressed at the end of the day and a phone call that hasn't been addressed, even if it's a message to say, I'll call you tomorrow. Mm. For me, that's about respecting whoever has taken the time. I, I learned a really good lesson from my dad. Uh, I, I worked for him in the family business when I was um, straight after school. And I remember, I'll never forget this, he, I answered the phone, and said, is David Seymour-Smith available? And I said, no, I'm sorry. Um, sorry, madam, uh, Mr Seymour-Smith is currently busy, but um, I can get him to call you later. And dad hauled me into his office and absolutely tore strips off me. I said, well, what did I say? He said, you said I was busy. And he said, Don't you think the person on the end of the phone was busy? And it's something that's really struck, you know, it's stuck with me for bad. a long time because, and we are also busy, aren't we? Mm. I mean, COVID hit and we said, I'm never going to be this busy. I'm going to make sure that I take stock and I have a better work life balance. But yeah, that is definitely, now. and then of course we've got busy again. Mm. Um, but everybody's in that same boat and it's a bit of that respectful piece, I think, you know, no one's ever busier than yourself. And, so did you, 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 you know.
0: ever use, have you never said you're busy? Since, no. What do you no. use? What, hey, this would be dreadful. So what do you use well, instead? Well,
1: I think, um, look, I've, you know, I'm just attending to somebody else at the moment, yeah. um, but your query you know, is important. Um, I mean, it is a, it's a little bit standard when you listen to some of those messages, you know, if you're on hold for Qantas for two no. hours, and then they're saying, <laughs> the your moment, call yes. is important to us, <laughs> really? Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's about being respectful okay. of other people's time. And so yeah. I'm always on time apart from today, when I did get held up for a couple of minutes. (laughs) It's interesting. (laughs) interesting,
0: The first thing you said to me, I'm sorry, I was on this call. I'm like, it's cool. I get it. It's all right. It happens. It's actually really interesting, Nikki. I'm known for being meticulously on time. So and I think that's and I would say that I'm probably not the most organized person, but I have an EA who has an EA and a whole bunch of people around me that keep me organized and, and keep me on track but I think that that's a really interesting thing being organized is really important when you're spinning plates Mm. um you know it's it's and I think that's probably and I'm going to say we as hospitality people Mm. and tourism people you learn that really early Mm. because it's an industry that forces you to multitask but Mm. not from an unfocused perspective if you know what I mean like you know um there lots of people that you know uh, are high achievers or top achievers come from very different industries and hospitality is rarely one of them mm. because the margins are narrow and you know there's all these you know COVID has completely disseminated most of the industry but you know South Australians and other people in Australia have really come back and supported these businesses and um I think people underestimate how hard it is to make real money in a hospital business um because... we've had to do things differently oh. and i
1: think you know that's um I, I don't think you can ever sit there and sort of put the hand out and say give me money give me support now, it has been tough and we're still only operating at 75 percent mm. but last year in october or november we made some fundamental changes to the way that we operate our business and we said in fact if i want to get 100 a hundred people of a day um, there is a risk we'll drop back from 75% to 50 So we did double sittings. So we've yeah. future-proofed our business to say we're going to do double sittings and on weekends now it's a minimum of two courses. So what that's meant is when we have gone into some sort of change in restrictions, we've been able to future-proof it. Now, hospitality industry will be saying, that's it, I hope. It's double sittings forever and ever and ever yeah. now.
0: Um, and it's brilliant because and, yeah. I, re- I remember doing, when I had all the restaurants, we were, I think, at XO, we were the first venue, period, to take deposits on bookings, we mm. and we're talking 2006. And the industry was condemning, me. like, what are you mm. doing? How mm. dare you? Customers are like, how dare you? How arrogant are you? I'm like, we have a lineup at the door. Like, I can't take anyone in. And if you don't turn up, I've just lost all this money because now the people that used to line up aren't lining up mm. because they go, why would I line up to get into a, a restaurant? Mm. And I think people didn't quite understand. but i see seen that transition now mm. where restaurateurs have finally gone, huh, we've got a license to be able to actually change for better practice. Mm. And consumers have gone, yeah, great, I get it. Like, I mean, I'm the kind of person, I book the 8.30 table or the late sitting because you do not want me out of your restaurant because I spend,
1: uh, well, that's, right? And
0: so I think that's, that's, the, other, that's the biggest <laughs> problem, right? Like, yeah. you know, and I've spoken to a lot about friends, some of ours in common that They're like, Christian, yeah, that's the biggest challenge we've had. You know, is being able to pinpoint the customer that's like you, who is an ex-industry person, who will have three courses. Clearly, I look like I carry three courses, but, you know, I'll have three, four courses, and I'll drink two or three bottles. Mm. To me, it's still entertainment. Like, you know, with two children at home, like Lucy and I rarely get the chance to go out. When we do, I don't want to be told that I have to leave. And so even now, when we, like, go to Nido and stuff, because it's around the corner... And I'll ring up and I'll say, it's Christian. They're like, don't worry, you can have the early sitting. You can stay for as long as you like. I'm like, thanks. I'm just letting you know that you know I'm prepared to come in and and I just want to sit there. It's the only time we get off. And for us, it's midweek anyway. So, you know, mother-in-law take the kids or my mum. And so we'll just head off for three hours and it's like, it's our time. But it's wonderful that you've been able to make those changes. So using COVID positively uh, has served... A better purpose, I think, for the industry wide, but also for oh, you guys.
1: Absolutely, mm. and and um, we've um, there there, are, there is a tourism industry development fund which is a thirty um, percent supporting venues. We've taken that up to do our significant expansions, um, and oh, wow. and we've been able to bring that forward. We'd we sort of put that off for a while, given mm. that we'd probably dropped about five or six hundred thousand last year. Um, yeah, you you would have been um, hard
0: because tourism so is really a big part of your business. Mm. But I think, do you think that the South Australians have supported you more though during this time? Because- I think once we reopened, mm. there's no
1: doubt about that. And um, we, we've looked at some of the periods, uh, this particular calendar year, and we've had much stronger months than we've had from- Amazing. Um, you know, 2019 uh, and before that. So I think regional tourism, regional tourism has done very well for some businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, others haven't done so well. And the other part that's sort of challenging with it is skills or shortages. Yeah. So I know there are regional businesses around our area in McLaren Vale and Fleurieu Peninsula that they can't open to capacity because they can't get the staff. So that's been really, really challenging. Um, we are lucky. We have a really good, we've got great staff at uh, the star and at the victory as well, um, but yeah, let's we want to. You've also meet. got the victory, so
0: you know. And I mean, Doug's down there. You know, you, this is what I'm saying. You guys actually juggle a lot. We do. We keep him at the victory, and
1: I'm more at the staff <laughs> or in the city. It's good for our it's, relationship. It's, it's I mean, safe.
0: family businesses are very,
1: very challenging. And you've grown up in a family I business. I did. I mean, yeah.
0: You know, Tim's now taken reign of the family business, and uh, Tim's your brother. Yes. Right? It's just we know each other well. So, um, but you know, it's it's one of those things. Nikki, we're talking about family businesses, right? Yeah. And just quickly, but what, is, what would you think in your childhood shaped the type of um, business person that you've become today?
1: Um, well, I, I worked from a really young age in, um, in the business. It was um, WA Young & Co back then, and it was shade cloth wholesale retail and manufacture. Um, my uncle worked there, mum and dad worked there, and I loved it. In fact, I wanted to take over the business when I was, you know, quite young. And Dad said, "Oh no, you're not really smart enough. Come on, he'll kill me for he saying didn't that." Really say that. Uh, wow. And he said, "No, Tim will be doing that."
0: Yeah. Um, oh, he would have said that. Tim would but, have loved it. Yeah, uh,
1: I loved it. You know, worked on the factory floor. I would be cutting up shade cloth. I'd be selling and and um, customers. And I, and I learned a great deal from, or from my mum and dad and my uncle Craig as well. Uh, it was really where I got. Um, my uncle Craig was terrific at technology, and you know the twelve-inch floppy discs. It's a long way back, but he taught me yeah. about coding and and you know using um, computers DOS? from an yeah absolutely. <laughs> and in fact, I remember mum's job was to actually manage the books. So they had these huge cash books, you know, that they opened yeah, up and they had journals. 20, twenty different columns, and we weren't allowed to go home until mum had balanced the books. And oh, wow. so I remember just going, "We've got to find a solution for this." So I actually wrote a program to take um, the cash books onto like a, a modern day spreadsheet yeah. if you like and therefore if you've entered it once there's no reason why it's not going to balance it's going into a spreadsheet Amazing. anyway so I said this is great this means mum that we're not going to have to work back late because I've been able to develop this program you and dad a just said yeah solve the problem he said listen smart ass I think it's time you went to uni now so <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway um, you, you achieved greatness solved a problem and then he and ships you off to he uni and ships <laughs> me off um,
1: but you know that's so I think that i certainly give my parents a great deal of credit about um a work ethos i think was also pretty fundamental my parents worked really really hard in addition to the, the family business that they had, my mum would also be working weekends as a nurse, and that was all about providing for Tim and I, my brother, and being able to send us to private school. That was important to them. Um, Dad didn't have that when he grew up, my mum did, but it was something that they thought was really important. So I think when you do, when you are, you know, from an early teenager, uh, involved in a family business where you can learn so much from your parents, it's really helped shape me. And again, I I look at um, the way my, I really observed, I remember from a young age, observing the way that dad treated his staff and and the team and and recognising them. I think that was firmly entrenched for me uh, at a very young age. I was very, very lucky to have that.
0: Yeah, look, me me too. I mean, I've, you know, I grew up in a family business in catering and so, you know, it was the last thing I ever wanted to get into. (laughs) I was like, I can't do this anymore. Weekends, washing dishes at the age of 12, earning $20 um you know for my for my time i was like this is ridiculous and then i ended up in the industry um you know it's one of those things but i think it's working in a family business definitely teaches you um work ethic because Mm. a lot of people don't realize um the mum and dad businesses are hard work no matter how big they get they're always hard work but i love your point about how you know your parents treated their employees Mm. Um, and I think that that's really important because that's probably set you up to where you are now in terms of being able to work with all these diverse groups of people mm. to achieve a common goal. Because realistically, you, you know, a lot of your chair roles and a lot of your board positions are not in the industry that you're in. You mm. bring a lot of independence to you. I mean, you were volleyball SA, I think mm. for some time yeah. as well. And um, you've had a, a varying uh, role bunch of roles red cross i think mm, by memory yes, yeah um you know because that was when i first met you was right then and there i think it was early 2000 so i got back to australia I think, in 2000 into 2001 mm. um and you were really active in all of these spaces um and i think that you know that now says paints paint a picture to me as to how you've developed what what and I, it's not in any of the questions but i'm really intrigued because i don't think i've asked you why did you buy the star because uh, so, well, in uh, all things
1: you could have a, done, yeah, so um, I had been living in Melbourne and I was mm. um, looking after the general manager for marketing and communications for the Melbourne Convention, Convention Bureau, Bureau, yeah. which was great and that was at a time, it was pre-GFC and so there was money aplenty. And to be marketing Melbourne for, for major events. And there was a new Hilton being built, a new crown being built, a new convention centre, so it was a really crazy time. And Anyway, I said, the only one job that I'd come back to is if SA great um, CEO role became available. Anyway, Judy Potter left. That's right. Uh, I came back. and um, After about a year in the role where I was head-focused, my dad, uh, Tim and I went to the Victory Hotel for a drink And at the front bar, we just happened to bump into a guy in a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. And he thought I was with my brother because he didn't realize that, you know. Anyway, that happened to be Doug. And so Doug, who'd had the Victory Hotel then for about 20 years, um, and my father had met him previously, so he introduced us and the rest is history, I suppose, um, in terms of Doug and I getting together. But we both had a separate affection for the Star of Greece. I'd been going there for many years with friends. Um, And Doug, of course, had been living down there, uh, around the corner from there. And what happened, we'd got together and then, you know, a year or so down the track, we moved fairly swiftly and we were on IVF and trying to have a child. And I was, you know, still in this SA great job. And I realised fairly quickly that um, working a full day, having an embryo transfer, rushing back to work was and having multiple failures, strangely mm. enough, was probably not the right environment. So we decided to de-stress, buy the Star of Greece and keep going on RVF.
0: <laughs> so hang on a sec. Normally <laughs> people would not associate with de-stressing buying a restaurant. Yeah, no. Because that's what I was all wondering. Because yes. I, I know, I remember you guys having this a difficult period trying yeah. to have a baby and you know, and then you had some challenges after that too. Yes. Um, and, and that's why you're making it like a miracle. She she actually is a genuine miracle,
1: yeah, so um, we both, we we thought it would be, um, so I obviously moved down to live with Doug in Port Wollonga, Star of Greece came up, Um, Doug was also building a second restaurant at Aldinga, which we ended up sort of pulling out of down the track, but um, it came up, we thought it would be great, I'd worked in hospitality years ago, so we thought that sort of the combined talents um, would be. And able you've to, done a fantastic this. job. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's, you it's,
0: it's 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 you know I remember when Kylie Minogue thought it was the most happening fish and chips in, yep. on the planet. I don't. Has she had been back and she, seen the she transformation. She hasn't
1: been back, but her her um, dancers have and her mm-hmm. staff have when she was touring. Um, yeah. So we thought we would buy the place, and that would be great. And um, but but credit to we we've had um, an incredible. We have an incredible team and in fact we, one of the staff, our head chef's just decided to move on after. He's been with the Victory and the staff for over 10 years. Wow. Um, he's moving on, we're, we're elevating our sous chef and um, another casual chef up into a joint head chef okay. roles. But you know, Brett was a terrific chef and, and that's a big part of it. Where's I think he? we, he's taken a bit of a break from hospitality. He's, he's been cooking for, yeah, for yeah. Um, Tough gig being in the kitchen. It is a tough gig being in the kitchen. Um, So, uh, but I think that's another thing that has always been important to me, is looking at um, succession planning and future proofing. It's really important. I mean, you know, we'd, we'd only had the business for six months. We were coming into our first summer and then bang i was taken out of the business for nearly 12 months mm-hmm. with maggie coming so premature yeah. so that sort of is another thing i think that's really important in whatever you do is making sure that you've got you know what what does succession plan look like um and if somebody of a you know key person is taken out of the business how can you make sure that that's not going to stop you um and often chefs can be um you know, they can be that person. They can also be quite difficult. Yeah, and they they can be challenging. I used be one too. So yeah, I, no, yeah, they they yeah. can be. Um, so I I think that's another part of it. Yeah. So when when our head chef is gone, we've got to we move very 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 swiftly to um, make but sure I mean, that you're, we've you're got continuing. considerably
0: established now. And I mean, yeah, the star and, and the victory both have excellent reputations. I mean, um, you know, and, and by excellent, I mean excellent, not 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 loosely. I mean, they're institutions. Uh, I know that when we go up to Carrickalingo, we always end up with the, the victory at some point, and then on the way back, and we'll try and get down to the star. And I mean, it, the wonderful thing is, they're two locations that are close. you know I mean, yeah. you think people in Sydney commute you yes. know, an hour and a half just to get to work? You know, I remember when I used to live in Sydney, and I was in North Sydney, and literally, you would take me forty-five minutes to get to work, and you could walk it in shorter period of time. Yeah. Um, and then to think that you know you can get to the star in forty five minutes yeah. from, from Adelaide, um, so it's wonderful. You've had a lot of challenges, in, in, you know. You've had some real life challenges um, while building an incredible career. Do, you, and we all know that business is not all flowers and rainbows. Has there been a particular failure experience in your career in your life that you think set you up later? I mean. You've had a lot of things that have happened to you that I think you've built grit and resilience yes. along the way. Yeah. But in terms of business, has there been any kind of failure experience that you go, oh, yep, that moment, I remember it, and it did set me up for later on?
1: Look, we, we bought The Star, um, it's 10 years ago now, and um, John Lethleen came two months into us having the restaurant and wrote one of the most scathing reviews. He don't, he don't likes to do that with a few places in mm. South Australia. And um, I remember.
0: The Australian. The Australian. The Oz, Aus,
1: yeah. And so we've been you know, going for two or three months, this just absolutely shocking review. And I was pregnant at the time and I've waddled into the star, and Dougie's rung me and said, you know, we've got a pretty shocking review. And, and I've walked in, and there were just messages after messages, cancelling and cancelling oh. and cancelling and cancelling. And it went on for weeks. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it was a really, it was, a, it was quite a harsh lesson for us. Um, I rang everyone back because they just said I'm cancelling. And I'd ring them back and I'd say, look, I understand it. What's the reason you've cancelled? Well, it's this shocking review. Um, and that, uh, we certainly, you know, encountered some other personal challenges as well but that was a big one for mm. me and I, I think um, it's also a bit like the, you look at the nasty reviews that you can get on TripAdvisor and sadly the people that have a great time are probably not those ones that no. um, that write the good reviews it's really those people with not as much time on their hands that do that it was a shake-up for us we probably didn't have the right team at the time uh, we inherited a team we really wanted to give them the opportunity to shine but i think probably what we should have done was you know make those changes early um i think you need to surround you know it, it for me was this whole thing about surrounding yourself what are the skills that i have what don't i have and who do i need to bring in mm-hmm. to have those skills and what's really important for us you know this star had a check at history it had had some great times it was in gourmet traveler and it was you know it had been in Qantas magazines it had It had a fantastic reputation just prior to us getting it. It it started to be a little bit erratic. So it really for us said, well, what do we want from this business? What do we want it to look like? What does consistency in service look like? What is consistency in food? Do we want to be a fine dining restaurant? Is that really what we want to do? Or is it about bums on seats and all of those things? So I think it really did give us the opportunity to really uh, think about what the star what we wanted to do with it um and there are many businesses that um have received reviews whether they're from john lethleen or from other journalists that have that have killed them um so you know that was a pretty pretty tough i've given up my you know my, my job a really secure job at advantage sa i'd moved down there to be with doug and all of a sudden this business that you know we thought was going to be our future so that was that was a pretty tough one to go through. But, you know, here we are now nine years later and um, we got through that. Um, working in a family business, you know, I, I sometimes forget that Doug and I working together is a family business. It is. And everybody says to you, right, as long as you've got defined roles, <laughs> you can make it work.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that's... I'm not sure that's the case. <laughs> no. I, yeah. I, I think... Because, I think, look, I... I um, haven't been in businesses in my whole life I know exactly how difficult I mean Lucy and I now work together but she she not so much by choice you know, yes. um, but you know she she leads our whole graphic design team in the media business and um she's just got a knack and an eye for design and so I try and stay out of it but you know when I give her instructions she just looks at me with resistance and I'm just like honey I am the, the company boss doesn't matter how you look at it, you can you can deal with me at home later. But right now, you just have to do what you're told. And it is so hard to juggle because yeah. I'm I'm a rule alpha, so it's also very hard. Um, but I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, you know, ninety uh, percent of our staff are women across, and you know, six of my companies are female led. Mm. You know, they just have me as the, the guy at the back that just you know approves things if I have to. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it is a challenge working with the person that you love the most in the world. Why do you think I'm doing board work? (laughs) (laughs) To to get out as much as possible. (laughs) Or, hang on, you now have a board that manages both organizations, and you say, honey, I'm the chair.
1: (laughs) Well, I think, in in all seriousness, I I did think, you know, really did look at sort of a strategic change to Mm. say, you know, my marriage is really important, we've got a beautiful child together, and we came together late in life, we're both A-type personalities. We both have, um, you know, run business ventures before, and so in all seriousness, for me to sort of go down this journey of board work was a um, was a really deliberate strategy.
0: There a as a well. deliberate strategy yeah. and that's worked out exceptionally well for you. I mean, that the, the, you, know, you you're in a position where you can influence change, and that's what I admire. Uh, really influence change. Um, you you know you're, you're a minority in the context that there are not many women who have the the chair roles that you have and and I I think it's just the tip of the iceberg still for you um, you know you have the year of ministers and you know you, you can influence change at a, at a very high level and what I admire most is that you come from that working background you come from an industry that doesn't have people in leadership positions you know some of us have made have gone through that path and failed and come back but you know you're showing that know that resistance and that integrity um you know the work that you do at the chamber with business sa and you know and then the um you know the skills councils and you know you really have carved a career and i remember when we spoke about you know when i asked you um at that event you know law degree why and you know and i remember you saying well look you know where i'm heading it's kind of something i've always wanted to do um you know and i think you've also proven to people that you you can come from events and tourism and actually be taken seriously mm. and and actually bring diversity and create a divergence of ideas and bring people together. And, and that that's my observation. I know it's the observation of many people. Oh, thank you. Working, so it's not just my own. Um, when you're overwhelmed and you've had these moments, right? So when you're overwhelmed or unfocused, is there something in particular that you do to realign?
1: It's funny, I spoke at a mental health breakfast or provide an introduction for that a couple of weeks ago and I said uh, I addressed this point because I knew that I'd taken on too much and I wanted to be held accountable to the 300 people in the audience there because I think that helped me and I said right that is it I'm putting up my hand to say I've taken on too much and I need to make some changes and in fact I've given notice to finish up with the skills commission at the end of this year oh, wow. Um then I got a call from Canberra asking if I could go on the National Australia Day Council board, oh, which was quite an honour, so I've accepted that. So I still now, so that's now kind of one in, one out. It's not quite working well for me. <clears throat> um, but I am looking at, look, I'll, I'll have been with business essays um, on the board for nine years next year. Yeah. Uh, three as deputy chair and then it'll be three as chair. So I'm now looking at, at a succession plan there to mm. sort of pass that back. You've some good people on um, there. Yeah, on the yeah. board. So JJ's sort of, on there. You can always handle handle JJ. It. He needs another roller. Yeah, role, doesn't he, he needs another <laughs> Um So I have recognised that I have become kind of a little overwhelmed, and I'm, yeah. you know, I like to think that I'm a duck, um, you know, that is relatively smooth on the surface. But um, I'm just imminently go. conscious of. You know, I just don't want to be that person that gets sick and says, gosh, I should have slowed down. So I, I actually think I'm definitely in this position now over the next 12 months is really sort of perhaps bringing the number of things that I've been committed to down a little. Thank you um, some warning? And just give... Yeah, can you give me some
0: warning? Let me, let, me, let me tell you how it's going to play out. You've already <laughs> experienced it. The moment you give up something, there'll be something else that comes to you, right? And, and I know this because... I'm in the privileged position where things like that happen to me all the time. And I have I did this three years ago where I said, let's sell everything, let's get out of Adelaide, let's move on, and for some for a whole bunch of reasons. And Lucy agreed. And then when I did that all, I went, well, hang on a minute, we've kind of retired now. In a very privileged position where we're going, hang on, I didn't realise that the exits would end up like this. And so I thought, well, I'm going to just take it easy. No, now I wasn't competing with anybody, so guess what? Every phone call I got was, would you like to come and do some advisory work for us? Come and do... And now I have an advisory firm. That's the biggest business that I've owned, <laughs> and all the businesses that I've had. And the challenge is that every time I turn down something, something else pops up. And here's what here's what I have done. And this I, I know you'll do the same. I just worked out this is who I am, and this is me. Mm. And it sounds like a song, but that is exactly who it is, what I am. So I can't change who I am. But what I can do is be really selective about what I take on. And if it does not fulfill my purpose, I won't do it. Because if it does fulfill my purpose, it's filling my cup up, right? And that's why Mm. we're very similar. I think you do the same, Nikki. You, You just gotta work out what's good for you. But you know, you've got Maggie, I've got Leo and Lavender. To me, my children are everything. Mm. So, you know, I, I make no compromises on pickups and drop-offs because I can have those conversations in the car. Mm. You know, mine is still very little. I mean, about 10, mm. right? Yeah, she's just yeah. about 10. Whereas, yeah. you know, Leonardo's six turning se- Six turning seven. That sounds very hard. Uh, Lavender's three turning four. And, you know, I, I think to myself, I want to see these children grow up and I actually want to have a relationship with them because that's probably the one thing growing up in a family business probably you i don't know what your experience was but i never got to see my parents very much and other if unless i went to work Mm. you know so the relationship i had with my father was when i wasn't being beaten up it was like okay i need to go to work to hang out with this person i don't want that for my kids Mm. you know and so i think it's about making really critical choices but knowing what we stand for but you unfortunately have a lot to do because you are now in a position where you can inspire a new breed of women who want to make their their way through. Does that make sense? Like yeah, you know, very oh, no, I know, but I, but I mean that, and, yeah. I, and you know, your name comes up in conversation in the circles that we work in, and you know, it, to me, that's what I find inspiring because I want my daughter to look at mm. someone like you and say, you know what, I can have a career in any field, and I can still end up. Doing this if that's what I want to do. And, mm. and I think that's really important. That's unfortunately for you part of the mental load that you've got to take on on top of everything else that you've got, you know, being a wife and, and, and a mother and you know a businesswoman. Because you know, I think people underestimate the role of a chair. You know, like I found mm. it really difficult becoming a chair. Like, I really sucked at it because I've talked too much. Um, and I had to really sit back and you know, lucky that I had some really good mentors, uh, guys like Eric Granger and who mm. who, who really said, Anyway. You're to shut up when you're sitting at the end of that table and you've got to listen. And then you've got to get everyone's ideas around the table and work. And, you know, and it turns out now that I have six independent chair drops. And it's like, okay, I get it. And I can influence more by, you know, getting everyone else to contribute as opposed to being the one contributing all the time. Mm. But I think that's what I admire about where you're going. But your biggest challenge is going to be, you know, fulfilling all these roles that you're playing yeah. and still managing the star.
1: Oh, look, and I have to say I'm not, you know, so much at the star that often these days. We've got some fantastic managers that we, you know, have uh, supported and, mm. and developing. So um, that's that's less of my stress, if you like. That's going well. It doesn't mean to say you can't lose sight of it because that's mm. a, an important thing. But uh, I will take your advice and I hope that I can really make those. Decisions that are, and and I, I do want to be able to. I want, I want Maggie to grow up knowing that you know you you can do whatever you want, and you, you your grades at school don't define you, um, you know, unlike Adelaide, your your foot, football team, you know, doesn't define you. You yep. know, you you can, and and, and where you're from, Thank all of those things that are, that yeah. we're branded. You know, what what school did you go to? <laughs> what footage All of those things that nothing really defined you, and you can really do I th- we have? We, we live in an exceptional country we, we live in a fantastic state and we are blessed and uh, I genuinely think that um, I think I've been fortunate just to have been able to just go in a direction that uh, I've been able to enjoy and been given incredible
0: opportunities did you ever think let's rewind mm. 30 years ago mm. right not 30 actually 20 let's just rewind 20 years ago did you think you would be where you are today in terms of, I think you always could imagine juggling more than one thing, but did you have this vision then? Or was it, because you, 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 you said to me earlier in the podcast that it was very intentional, the path that you went down, particularly yes. with the board roles. Yes. But if we go back 20 years ago, yeah. where do you think that, that tipping point came because I, I can probably, see what I mean, I'm probably,
1: you know, growing up, always wanted to, you know, have a family and have a couple of ch- kids. Mm-hmm. So that plan is thwarted if you don't have successful relationships. Yep. So perhaps <laughs> okay. out of adversity, perhaps that was it. But I did... Uh, I, so really you know, that
0: tipping point was you and Doug getting together, having, having, you know, going yeah. down the IVF path, having yeah. made, and then kind of going, that's it. I can't juggle all of this. I want, I want my marriage to be...
1: Yeah, I think from... Um, f- from that. But I, I was doing board work, um, even an advisory committee. and um, oh, Volleyball I say was Volleyball say, right. that's right. And Red Cross, I started on a, a committee and I worked on variety. So, you know, a lot of that sort of committee-type work I really enjoyed. Um, was
0: that, though, because of the events industry? Yeah, probably.
1: I think that probably would have been where I was able to, I think, be able to contribute and to be able to contribute, which then raised funds, which helped, whether it was Red Cross or Variety, um, that was probably it for me. And, you know, just, um, I had something that became useful for charities, Mm -hmm. and that sense of giving I loved, and really being able to contribute. So I guess sort of going from committees then into boards sort of was a natural progression. But um, yes, probably it was after Maggie in the last, uh, eight years, but Nigel McBride approached me. So he was mm-hmm. my former chair at Advantage SA great. and SA Great. And We're actually he sitting in his me. old
0: office. We are indeed. Yep, his yeah. desk used to be That's here. This would be the round table right here. Yep.
1: Um, so Nigel approached me to go on the business SA board, mm-hmm. um, as I say, around about nine years ago, and I didn't think that I, well, I wasn't confident that I had something to contribute, and he was very enthusiastic for... Um, for me, and, and very supportive of the contribution I could make. So um, that's kind of how that journey started. Okay. And I think that um, I've always thought that, you know, being very grateful to be on the board of Business SA. And I think as I've spent more time, it's really been able to give back. Um, you know, it's, it's all volunteer, you and done. you know, it's been a great experience for me.
0: Yeah, I, I think because yeah. you, you've been chairing out. Three. kids
1: coming up three years. Yeah, so yeah. pretty much
0: the transition from Nigel to Martin. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, Look, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm very blessed that my office is located in the West Wing. Absolutely, here at the chamber. So, uh, and I, I I was saying this to Martin. I think that um, the Business say has done an exceptional job um, in in what they've done. It's become very member centric, mm. um, you, you know, in a significant way, contributing. Um, you know, and I think that you know, obviously, as the chair, you have played a significant role in that. Um, you know, but I think that what's really interesting about the question that I asked you, it's it's what i have noticed and what I'm reflecting on, is that you know you had an idea of what you wanted to do, didn't kind of know how to do it. Um, I think that w- the role you played at Advantage SA, which was SA Great, that yeah. ch- changed name was also excellent you know, and, and that was a, a big role to fill uh, post Judy mm. uh, and Judy was one of my mentors for a long time still dear friend um, but I think that you know there was this I think that's what kind of the ability but it's like you said you had to find someone that had enough faith in you to go hey Nikki you can do this next mm. job because one of the common themes that we found as I've interviewed all these top achievers is we all don't think we can do it like somewhere down the line there is an element of imposter syndrome But it's not something that holds us back right does that make sense (laughs) i'm giggling because
1: when um the vincent tremaine was the former chair of business SA, and i i had been the deputy chair and he sort of said to me i think you'd be a great chair and i said god i don't know if i can do it vincent and um anyway i spoke to a few friends and ali clark's a a great friend of mine a great um And we we often are engaging in our business decisions and and talking with each other about what to do. And I rang her and I said, Ali, you know, I've been sort of... A couple of board members have suggested I could do it, you know. And she said, God, she said, this is what drives me nuts with women because we will think of all of the things... All the reasons why you can't do it. All the reasons why I can't (laughs) do it. She said, so so I said, what what do you... uh, Of this role do you think you can do? I think I can do this, this, but... I don't have as much experience in policy development. And I haven't had as much experience in this. And she said, uh, and if you were a man, you'll be saying, I've been asked, therefore I can,
0: which is a gross generalisation. <laughs> no, absolute that, gross generalisation. You know what's funny? Though? I could, see it. I could see how that plays out yeah. for a lot of men. It's like, I've been asked. It's like, sure, I must be good. Sure. It's so it's true, it.
1: And we do, and I do, and I, and I know even with other positions, I would analyse the position description absolutely line by line and look and focus on those two or three things that I might not have done before. Whereas now I would say, I can do that. I just need to hire somebody who can do those things that I can't do. Yeah. Um, and it no longer scares me, I guess, in terms of, it, you know, we can't all do everything. So just admit the areas where you're lacking in skills and look at how you can bring those people in to support you and, and give them acknowledgement for that contribution.
0: Absolutely, I mean, more aware, actually said, uh, it's manage your assets. So she, she, and I thought this was genius when I, when I interviewed her, because I'd always, I'm one of those people that says play to your strength and outsource your weaknesses. Mm. Okay, and you sort of mm. said mm. similar in your yeah. own words. But she kind of said, because she, she made this point about manage your assets, and your assets are your strengths. Yes. And I thought, flip it. That's a really interesting yeah. way of looking at it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's really amazing just listening to everyone. But it's so true. We, no matter how confident we are or the perception that we give about our confidence, we all have enough self doubt. Mm. But certainly, women, the one thing that I have found, and, I've, I've, and I say it, I have the privilege of being a cheerleader to a lot of women. Right, eighty-five percent of my clients are females, and I truly love it. But I, I understand why we succeed. They are exceptional at what they do. I remind them of it. Mm. That's all I literally mm. do. You know, like I speak to their husbands, and they're like, "How is it you get my wife to do all these things when I can't even get her to?" So, <laughs> firstly, you're not playing to her strengths. Understand what she's exceptional at, and then drive her mm. to just keep doing that better, and give her a break. Find all the areas where she could actually benefit from having other people come in and they look at me and it's like is that why we got a cleaner this week that came mm. in the house i said well you know she's working 60 hours a week what do you expect so we're making enough money and so they're like oh i get it so now you look like the good guy i said well if you'd offered it you would have looked like the good guy and it's this it's we play on this and but what i guess what i'm saying is yeah one of the things that i found about female founders and businesswomen is they, they don't back themselves enough and and you know that's the thing that drives me crazy because it's like you know and what I teach Lavender, my daughter is honey you back yourself if your brother's giving you a hard time mm. you go back twice as hard and boy she's a four year old and three year old who definitely gives it back <laughs> um, and I encourage that because I want her to know that you know because she's also a little bit subservient she'll do things for Leo all the time and if he's mean to her she'll be really sweet to him I'm like ah wait for her you don't have to be kind just because He's your older brother. Like, if he's mean to you, you call it out and come and find him and we'll deal with it. You know, don't sit there and absorb that shit because you don't have to. Mm. And I say that to my clients, I say to my female cousins all the time. It's like, stand up for yourself. If you don't need me to stand up for you, you can stand up. You have more power than you think you do. Um, and I think that that's wonderful and courageous that we can talk about that mm. um, and the vulnerability you have to have. Um, do you have any business heroes? Anyone that you over the years have admired or uh, modelled yourself against? Is there anyone in particular that you think? I
1: I would definitely say my dad Mm -hmm. has been a, you know, he would, um, I mean, hero is an interesting term, Um, but I I would definitely say dad. And I've sort of, um, I think in terms of, uh, and and hero come mentor, I mean, Bill Spurs has been a significant mentor in my life. Um, He was head of TAFE when I went through Mm -hmm. TAFE. Then he hired me at the Adelaide Convention Bureau, and then Australian Major Events started, and he hired me there. He put faith in me at a much younger age, possibly than I deserved, but he really gave me some fairly incredible opportunities. And um, he's got, Adelaide
0: he, Convention uh, he, Bureau, yes, hmm. yeah.
1: And um, he, I mean, dear Bill, he even said over the years, even through his wife Helen, he said, "God, I'm almost going to have to marry you soon if you can't get a <laughs> successful relationship." Um, so. No, I think there's been sort of a number of people over the years that um, I've I've looked at. Heroes are heroes, an interesting mm. term, but um, there are, there've definitely been other people. I mean, I, I really enjoy working with Martin. Is he is he a hero? I think he's outstanding at what he does, and so um,
0: I use I the term hero quite, loosely. Yeah, it's like having a superhero hero a, in your life. A superhero, you know? yeah, well, someone I, who I, makes you feel. You know that's why for me, I, I figured you'd say your dad. Yeah. Um, and you know, I remember doing my f- first AICD course training with Bill Spur back in 2005 when we both went and did AICD, when no one even knew what it was. And, mm. you know, and it, for me, it was the, the feds that said, you need to go do this, because I was sitting on some federal boards. And you know, I was, I think, 26 years old. And it was like, what am I doing all this for? And what is all this stuff? And it was brilliant. But I remember doing that with Bill, and he was, he was an amazing man then. So, he, he, he still is. Know, I can just imagine um, what he's developed into. And he did a lot for the Convention Bureau and oh, the
1: industry. And Tourism Commission. Mm-hmm. He's just been a, an incredible contributor. And he's just, you know, he, he's been a terrific influence in my life uh, in in a work sense and just being able to manage through things. Um, and, and the lovely thing is he, you know, he now sort of says how proud he is of, you know, some of the achievements, which is really lovely that it sort of almost comes back full
0: circle I think you know, if I was to look at what my ideal legacy would be would be that having people that I've mentored and helped along their journey and then they're living their best life and I mm. think that's probably I, I can't I, you know, I can't speak on behalf of Bill but I'm assuming that that's what he'd be yeah. going through now as as a person <coughs> excuse me that's had a huge influence in, in the lives of many people along the journey mm. um, and hopefully you will have that with all Uh, the people that you've touched along along the way too um you must have some pretty quirky or or structured beliefs or habits for you to be able to achieve what you achieve is there anything you want to share that you know someone else out there that is listening could benefit from any habits or or beliefs that have helped you and will continue to aid you in your journey
1: Yeah, I think, Um, I mean, my mother always said to me, darling, you have two ears and one mouth, be ready to listen. And I think, you know, you talked about that skill earlier in terms of chairing a board, um, is that it's not about necessarily driving the conversation, but being able to bring it together and to to summarise it, to be hearing Mm. what people are saying and then to be able to um, articulate that back and get consent and so I think that's one. I think respect is incredibly important. Um, we, we certainly grew up in an environment where, you know, re- you just respected everybody, and um, a- and that's what you were taught as a child, respect your elders and do all of those things. But well, I think you, Yeah, <laughs> we were. And and that's a great foundation, and I, and I think now, more than that, I want to be able to demonstrate my, bea- my behaviour to earn that respect mm-hmm. uh, and never assume it. Um, I also remember learning from a fairly young age perhaps in my late teens from a friend of my parents and he said never go to a boss with a problem always go with a range of solutions and it's something that I've really stood by as well Um, and I think it's very easy sometimes to be the solution provider and because I'm a solution provider type of person it's really easy to solve those problems um, problems for other people, mm-hmm. but if you can give them those skills to say, "How do you think? What do you think the options would be?" Um, and I'll do that with Maggie now. She says, "How do you spell something?" Well, how do you think you spell it? You know, let's let's just give it a crack. So that's a very basic example
0: of it. Um, I don't think it's so basic. I think it's it. It's funny. It, every time I interview someone, I there's a lesson in it for me, and that's still a big lesson. I have a lot of my mentors that say to me, Christian you have got a career i mean in my advisory firm all i do is solve problems and it's so hard to then walk into a board meeting as a chair where i've actually got to go okay let's extract the idea and i have to remind myself and just then when you said that i thought do i do that with my kids and it was really important so it wasn't really basic it was actually the right message and i think anyone listening is probably it's an aha moment where you go because uh, it's, it's, people don't realise it's really hard being a solutions person. Yes. Because the frustration that we, we mm, I'm assuming mm, same. Mm, mm. you get really frustrated when people can't solve their own problem. Now, I get paid for it, so it's great. But sometimes I look at some of my clients and they go, you realise you could have solved that yourself. You didn't mm. need me. It wasn't really a complex problem. And I have to be really careful with clients, particularly my clients that have been with me for two or three years, where I have to sort of say, hang on, a minute, you're now becoming dependent on me. Yes where therefore I'm not teaching you the right way yep. and then we'll have a strategy workshop and we reframe. And so I'm, I've been using a lot of reframing techniques mm. and uh, some people look at me and go, psychology the next thing on your agenda? I was like, no, I'm just trying to be helpful because if something happened to me, then you just become codependent on, on my thinking and I yep. can't have that. And I think that's a really beautiful message that you just put there. Yeah, Sorry. you
1: almost want to make yourself redundant. I mean, that's what success <laughs> looks like in some ways. And yep. and it does take a little bit of extra time, it can, um, but that investing in that with whether it's a, a colleague or, or a client or, or your child in giving them those skills. And I think for me the other, you know, I guess the final piece would be recognising where, um, you know, if you're going to be pulling a team together, recognising the skills that you don't have, bringing the right people, really thinking about diversity, not because of a quota, but because of the benefit that diversity brings, and then make sure you can, where appropriate, publicly recognise those people for the contribution that they've made, because that's really, really important, so.
0: You just said something that I want to ask you the question about. As a a chair, and a female chair, in often male-dominated boards, right, you've got to try and create this diversity. Now, I know I know that you... Well, I know, because we've talked about this in the past, gender balance isn't really a thing in terms of, like, you have to hit that quota, right? I, I'm I, don't, sure. I don't like quotas. Yeah, no. that's right. You and I have yeah. talked about this enough. Yeah. Just conscious I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, no, without that's you. fine. So I'm glad you just <laughs> yes. agreed. Um, and so we've had that conversation before because I struggle with quotas because I look at it and go... I've been taught to hire the best person regardless. You know, and I think in hospitality in particular, we just hire the best, It's you don't have a choice. It's not, oh, let me go and pick whether you're male or female. And I look at my businesses, and as I said, most of them are female led, or in fact, all of them, but my own, Right, is yeah. uh, in the one that I run, and I'm surrounded by women. So I kind of go, okay, well, hang on, am I fitting a quota? No, I like working with women. Mm. i think they're smarter they're more organized they tick the bill everywhere that i go in the businesses that i'm involved in
1: Mm.
0: but on a board how do you how do you overcome that challenge of you know being a a woman because i reckon this would be a big challenge i i I can't say i've experienced a challenge because i'm not a female but how do you overcome this push for quotas and yet find the right balance let's say you just can't find say the women that fit the because I, I like the way you think about diversity of skills and mm. that's what makes a great board yes. I, I, totally yeah so how do you find those people i mean first and foremost it's
1: uh, i think school skills-based boards are really important mm. so so that's got to be the first sort of factor and um making sure that if it's an existing board, and we do, like, earlier this year i was involved in Developing a board from scratch, but it's unusual to have that scenario. And I think it's a really important practice for okay. boards to undertake a skills um, assessment, a mm-hmm. self-assessment, because then, it, particularly when you're looking at succession planning, you can look at you know where do we have gaps and what do we need for the particular industry sector or you know business essays across many different industry sectors. So, um, I think that discipline of being able to review that annually can be a really important practice. Yeah, cool. um, so is then, that what you use as a as a foundation? Yeah, as a foundation, I think that as yeah. a um, tool, undertaker's um, skills analysis and look at what is going to be right for the um, organisation um, that you're looking for. And then um, I personally like to think that there is, I believe that there is incredible value with that diversity piece amongst gender, amongst mm-hmm. age Race. and amongst ethnicity. Yeah. Really important. And so... Um, You know, Business SA, we've got, um, in our board, we've got older um, and um, more mature contributors. We've got some some younger participants. Um, We're now going to be bringing in, um, as of this um, early next year, we're gonna have a regional representative, which I think is really important that we can actually, with, you know, looking at bringing in a a, a board decision that says we will always have a person from a region and we'll rotate that. That's really important. That's a great idea. so i like to think that it's just a way of forming boards that works for me in terms of um not not just for me but it, but to achieve the goals of the organization
0: and so you always take the emphasis away in interpreting your response you take the emphasis away from a quota you, do, you yes. kind of just go Pff, not not going to even think yep. about it but essentially what you look at is what are the skills that I need around the table, and I want to fill them with the best people. Yes. And then at the end of it, it plays out how it plays out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you can overlay. I think it's really important to overlay it with that diversity um, so that you are looking at it and saying, if I can get the best people for the job, Mm -hmm. and I also get the outcome that is with diversity in those areas that I've, um, you know, talked about, then I think you will be able to... You'll have a healthy... Because it's about creating a culture. Mm. And um, this year, when we formed the Adelaide Economic Development Agency, and in fact, we've just appointed an advisory committee, and I really think that if you can get that culture right, you will be much more able to succeed. And for me, the culture is best driven by not just the skills, but it's a diversity piece as well. So looking at both of those to be able to... um, to, to be able to bring together the right group. Because if you can create that culture, you will achieve together. And you'll also create a respectful environment where people can feel that they can challenge each other and they can have different points of view, but they can do that in a really healthy environment. And you know, I, I believe you're able to achieve more success in that way.
0: Love it. I actually really like that response. And I, I think you know, it, it is such a challenge for women leaders, right? but leaders in general too like you know see again i even hate saying the fact of women leaders because i just look at it we're all leaders mm. see, if we're in a position of leadership your gender is irrelevant it's just such a challenging world that we live in because of you have to be politically correct and you know, even i sometimes i sit there and lucy will look at me and she just say what you just said i'm like what did i say and she goes christian people's interpretation of what you say is what you've got to be careful about i said I honestly have to sit here and think about what everyone's thinking. I wouldn't even be alive. I mean, bottom line is people tend to forget. I'm still an entrepreneur. Like, I am, I've am, i got a risk appetite that other people don't have. And actually, on the weekend, I actually had someone say to me, you know, you're chairman of Bohu Engineering, a really conservative 30-year-old family business. How on earth did they find you? I said, you'd be surprised when I'm playing with other people's money how conservative I can be. <laughs> I said, you know, my risk appetite is my own, but then I've got to, as a chair, I've got to have everyone else's risk appetite measure and go, okay. Well, what are we going to do? Mm. But that doesn't. And I think this is where entrepreneurs are, are now being uh, looked upon in a really cool light, particularly for board roles. It's something I have found mm. now is that a lot of people that reach out to me and say, "Look, you're an entrepreneur. We need an entrepreneur on our board." Is, is that the skill set that you're missing? I say to them, and they're like, "Yeah, but do you know what the skill set is?" I say because just because someone has a title entrepreneur. You know, is it the risk that you want? Do you want someone to look at risk differently? Mm. Do you want someone to you know, understand you know, what makes that entrepreneur who they are? I mean, a tech entrepreneur is gonna be very different to a recruitment entrepreneur because mm. their attitude is you know, <laughs> very different focuses. Um, but what I'm finding is that I'm, I'm seeing diversity and inclusion really changing at the moment. And the mm. landscape is very exciting. And I mean that across all sectors, mm. not just one or two in particular. I know we're going to be short for time. Um, Two questions is all I've got left. Right. One, are you a reader? Yes. Great. Which book or books do you think have greatly influenced your life? Ah,
1: well, interesting because I was just given this book by the National Australia Day Council by Mm -hmm. Dr. Robert Isaacs. Okay. It's called Two Cultures, One Story. And Dr Robert Isaacs was actually, um, he was a child of the Stolen Generation.
0: Okay.
1: And um, we, I mean, it's an incredible story, and particularly given the role that I'm now having, which is you know running the Australia, um, Australian of the Year awards and the Australia Day programs, and influencing what occurs in each state. Um, and obviously it's a hot topic. In fact, many of my friends have said, you've got that appointment, You know, when will you change the date, change the flag, change this, change that. And, and even as a child of the Stolen Generation, Robert Isaac says, you know, this is about respecting um, who we are as a country, reflecting on who we've been in the past, um, celebrating um, the great, wonderful, diverse ethnicities that make us truly a fantastic country, and, you know, celebrating that into the future so we can look at the past and we can reflect on that, we can reflect on how people were treated very poorly, but it shouldn't define us. So that's just been a fantastic book. Yeah. Um, that's been a great learning. And it's also
0: serving you in the role that you Yeah, in. it is serving me in the role. Because it gives you the answers yeah. to answer some of those really difficult questions
1: that Absolutely. people are yeah, I mean, so I, could, I like, like to read uh, True and yeah. then I also like to read, I'm actually reading a really pathetic, I can't even tell you what the title is, but it's just some sort of <laughs> romantic book that someone gave a me. A Mills so and Boons. Please tell me it's, not reading the Mills and Boons. It's certainly not a Mills and Boons. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> the only
0: but, reason I know Mills and Boons is my mother used to read them as a kid and I'm like, what are these? Yeah, I'm no, no, bro?
1: no. I do like to go from sort of quite intense, heavy, whether it's an autobiography or a biography mm-hmm. and then into something very, very light, especially if I'm poolside
0: and trying to tune off. Right, okay, so I, in another podcast, another day, I might have different questions for you. Perfect. I'm uh, trying to, to try and understand the behavioural psychology around that. But anyway, lastly, and probably my favourite question that I love asking, you've already answered some of these, but I, I, sometimes when I reframe the question, it gives people a different answer. What's your top three lessons that you'd impart on life or in business to another dream, another driven and smart business person?
1: Um, I think what I've learned that's benefited me well is to actually, you know, not have the answer straight away, to, to take time and think about it. And I still will often draft an email, close it, put it away, have a think about it, and not even send it till the next day. Love it. Um, so I think that's an important one. I, I tended perhaps when I was a bit younger, to sort of shoot from the hip and Mm. really do that. So I think, you know, listening, thinking and taking your time to respond. Um, I do still think, and speaking of books that relate to this, but, you know, I didn't, at school when I was asked to read To Kill a Mockingbird, it didn't make sense to me. I don't think I was... Smart enough to understand it, and, and now I'm in my 20s, when I read it again, and, and that's another thing that resonates with me is if you, when you're thinking about decisions or you're thinking about what you're saying to someone, it's to really think about it from their point of view and to, you know, walk around in their shoes. And um, we're in such a fast paced life, we don't think about the answers because we can Google really quickly to respond. But I think. Um, taking your time and being able to think about the impact of what you say or what you do and what that has on other people is a really important one. Beautiful. There's two, and I, and I think the one I, I mentioned before, probably, um, you know, thinking about a problem and coming with solutions just as a sort of a frame of mind. I think whether that's in business or in personal, you know, that's another one that uh, I would say is
0: really worth considering. Nikki, I, I I particularly like the wisdom that you've shared with us today, and I know that it's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. Um, I'm going to have a lot of fun re-listening to it. I've taken a solid page of notes, and um, one of the things that really resonated with something you said really earlier, um, and it's also Jim Collins' theory, which is first who, then what. Um, I think the story about you know the star, and and I think also the way that you seek out the right people for the right job in the right company. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jim Collins' work, but he's an ex uh, stanford professor, uh, wrote Good to Great, which mm. most people have read. But um, you you really, it, when you speak, I can see a lot of his teachings in there, which are very simple, which is first who then what, and you've taken that not only in your career, but you in, in terms of your own businesses, um, but then actually that's what you're doing now in your roles on a board. You're really looking at it and saying, okay, well, who have I got sitting around the table and uh, you know how are you gonna serve what we're trying to do? And I think that's probably the biggest thing that's come through interviewing you today, is that, and that doesn't always come through. Like all the other people, I know that that's something their focus is there, it's on there, but for you really, it is, it is, it is actually one of your foundations. And I think that's really neat because that's actually really hard to do. <laughs> Most people are thinking already, what are we meant to do, as opposed to who do we need to do that first? Um, and and that's something that's really come through for me and i really appreciate that i really appreciate your time i know that you're incredibly busy um, we're and, all busy yeah we're all, busy. all busy remember yeah. that's right you have your da- done this your so dad's voice, david's <laughs> voice is now ringing in my ears you can't say busy right um, but no i know that you know you being here attending to this interview um, it, you know is incredibly valuable to me and our listeners and i really appreciate it i know that i'm going to keep looking forward to the work you do uh, I'm blessed that we're friends, and and I get to you know see you uh, at events and other bits and pieces. And you're always so willing to share, and I think that's what makes you really special. And I really appreciate your time today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute honour to be included in this group. So thank you very much. Thank you. Are you ready to start taking action on your business would you like to spend more time with your family then call 1300 643 229 and start building momentum right now i know you're busy in fact you are so busy that you don't have time to work on your business or yourself often tossing and turning at night worrying about the how-tos and the cash flow how on earth can you possibly get off the hamster wheel so that you can take a helicopter view to see where you'll be in 90 days, one year or three years from now. In this program, I will take you from sleepless nights to blissful sleep. You'll have more time with your family and you will have the clarity and direction so you can grow and flourish. Call 1300 643 229 now and start building momentum.